0: Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful weekend and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. I know it's kind of a crazy time to be celebrating Mother's Day. Probably uh, have to find different ways to celebrate with your family, not being able to you know, get together like you normally would. But I know that I speak for everyone when I say thank you to our moms, to our grandmothers, to all of those women that, you know, play that motherly role in our lives. I know personally, um, you know, I have an amazing wife who is an amazing mom, an amazing mom, myself an amazing grandmother and mother-in-law and just so many uh, women in my life that I'm so grateful for in the way that they demonstrate their love. So happy Mother's Day, moms. We love you and appreciate you very much. We are continuing our series, But God, today. And today's going to be a little bit of a build-off of what we talked about last week. And you'll remember last week we talked about the fact that God, He uses our suffering for our benefit, and that our circumstances sometimes might be burdensome and they weigh us down, but God always intends those for our good. First we talked about the fact that God uses our suffering for our discipline, that that discipline could be painful, but it shapes us to make us more like God. It is uh, meant to settle our soul and not, not disrupt it. Remember, it says that that discipline allows us to share in God's holiness and produce the peaceful fruit of righteousness. God uses our suffering uh, for pruning and to make us more fruitful. And while that pruning is, is never pleasant, it's always purposeful. It's always in those hard times that... The things that are not like God, uh, they rise to the surface, and God uses that suffering to show us that he wants to prune those away from us so that we can be more fruitful and be more like him. God will always use our suffering to show us how much we need him, and then he will meet that need. He did this in the desert with the Israelites. You remember uh, it said that he created the hunger? He caused them to be hungry in the wilderness, and then he met that need with the manna. And in, time, in those times and places when we don't understand what's going on, but when we surrender to God, it is in those times when we surrender to the Lord that he will meet our needs in ways that we have never imagined. And we also talked about the fact that God uses our suffering so that he can be glorified in its resolution and in that place of pain, it's not about looking at our circumstance and, and, and just wallowing in, in self-pity. Rather, look around and look to our Savior in anticipation of the salvation and deliverance that he brings. Lastly, we talked about that God uses our suffering to prove the genuineness of our faith. We, we, we said that gold is not refined without fire, and neither are we. But when we realize the purpose behind our suffering, we can trust that God is with us and that we can always still walk in that inexpressible joy at his glory and grace. Well, today, like I said, I want to build off off of that a little bit. And there was a scripture that we talked about last week that helps us understand that that in our flesh, we cannot see the blessings that God has for us. Rather, he reveals them through our spirit or through his spirit rather. So what we want to do first is let's just pray and surrender this time to God and also ask him that we aren't in the flesh, that we aren't here, you know, listening, you're not there, you know, in your in your living room or wherever you might be watching in the flesh rather. You are wanting God to speak to you through his holy spirit. During these times of virtual services, I've often said that, you know, while we can't be physically together, we are united in the Spirit. And that's true about us as individuals, but it's also true about our unity in God. It is through His Spirit that we are made one with Him because of the sacrifice of Christ. So let's pray and just consider that truth as we pray, knowing that we must set, that, set just all, all of the things in our flesh, lay them down at God and surrender to Him so that He can speak to us through His Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you today and we thank you. God, we love you because you are your God and you are holy. And it is through your spirit that we can commune with you. And it is through your spirit that you reveal yourself to us. Help us, God, to not be in a place where we are concerned or weighed down or distracted by our flesh, Lord, or even where we are walking in the flesh, only looking to gratify ourselves, only looking to make ourselves happy and not looking to please you. Forgive us for that, Lord, even now, God, as we lay those things down, as we surrender ourselves, our hearts, our bodies, our flesh to you so that our spirits can be made one with you through your Holy Spirit. God, speak to us today. Open our ears. Let us hear your word, not just physically, Lord, but spiritually. Penetrate the outside. Get into our heart, Lord, and let that, let that word that you have just take root and then produce fruit in us, change us from the inside out. I pray, Lord, that someone's eternity is changed today by the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we start, I want to just remind you to be on the lookout for our uh, Dive Deeper videos. Um, You might see them on Facebook, or uh, if you're on our email uh, subscription, you'll get those. But I just want to encourage you, each week I try to send out some devotional videos uh, that dive into the topics that we review on a Sunday morning, just a little bit deeper and uh, like I said, you can subscribe to our uh, page on YouTube, you can like our face, uh, Facebook page, you can certainly uh, subscribe to our email distribution list, and you'll get those videos sent to you directly. Uh, this, this is always a, a great video to watch. It's always a great thing to participate in and, and, you know, dive deeper into those topics. But this week especially, as I was preparing for this message and writing my sermon outline and then diving into the message itself, the sermon just kept growing, and I had you know written almost two-thirds of it with, with only getting through one point. So uh, the Dive Deepers this week are really going to be uh, just illustrating some additional points that would have been made in this sermon. So I just encourage you uh, to look for those this week, and I pray that God will bless you through those. So the scripture that got me all started on that process and just kind of down that path is one that we talked about last week. It's found in 1 Corinthians 2, and it says this, but as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. This is wonderful truth. It plainly states that our eyes and our ears and our hearts can't understand, we can't fathom the blessings of God or the things that he has for us. It's in our flesh. We can't comprehend the magnitude of his grace. We can't understand even the truth of who he is when we are in the flesh. But there is this beautiful phrase that we're going through in this series. It says, but God, I can't understand them in my eyes. I haven't seen them. My ears haven't heard them. My heart can't conceive, but it is in God. It says, but God reveals them through his spirit. And it's so important for us to understand that. It says that he reveals the blessings through his spirit, and it's because the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. It is God's spirit that understands and grasps God's depths and then reveals those. He chooses to reveal them. To us. Now, this resonates with me very much. I've told you before how much I enjoy watching nature shows with my children, and that really harkens back to the times when I was a child, and I would watch those videos with my dad. Now, if you ever watch one about the, the ocean, what they will in, in invariably say is that we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the depths of the ocean. And the reason for that is because the depths of the ocean, they're so vast and expansive, they're dangerous, they're difficult to explore, they're unique. But when we think about it, especially as Floridians, you know, if you've ever been to the beach, we go there and we only get a glimmer of what is, what, what's happening in the ocean. Yet we say, well, I, I've been in the ocean. But how many times, or how, how can you ever say that you understand the full power of the ocean when we only get a glimmer, an infinitesimal understanding of what the ocean is by what we experience on the beach. And this is this is true I think in our in our walk with God, you know, we can't say that we've actually been in or been surrounded by or touched every single molecule of water in the ocean. So how can we imagine that we've ever experienced everything those depths of the Lord? Listen, I want to go as deep as possible with God. I don't want just a surface level understanding of him, one that is based solely on what I experience in my flesh rather I want to know and explore the depths of God from the intimacy that only comes from his his Spirit. This is why walking in the Spirit is so important. We can't give in to our flesh any longer. We can't surrender to its inklings, to its desires, to to anything where it would lead us. Rather, we have to surrender to the Lord. In Romans chapter 6, reading from the message translation, it says this, Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. Now, we often talk about this passage and um, in, in the content that is included there. But it's important that we do so. You see, this, we need a constant reminder to quit giving into the flesh, to quit you know, walking in that sin-miserable life, that sin-sick life that only leads to death. We have to realize that that, that flesh life The old life that we used to live in, it was nailed to the cross. It was there with Christ, but as a result, because that sin-sick life is dead, because our sinful nature was crucified with Christ, we are no longer at sins every beck and call. We don't have to give in to our flesh and everything that our flesh would want, uh, want us to do. Paul helps us understand this uh, later in Romans chapter 6, and he he continues on. He says, that means that you must not give sin a vote in the way that you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Rather, throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. I love that. It, it demonstrates the commitment that God expects from us. He says, Remember, you have been raised from the dead. What an awesome reminder. We don't have to live in death any longer. That flesh has been crucified on the cross, but we have been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell us how to live. After all, it says you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Now here's the issue. The issue is that we don't live like this. Too often we live like that cliche where we've got you know the devil on one shoulder and an angel on another shoulder, and we're you know, kind of going back and forth. We're listening to both sides. We give sin a vote. We allow our flesh to plead its case and tell us why we need to give in to those desires. We've forgotten the simple truth that the flesh is dead. It was crucified with Christ, and we have been raised into newness of life. You see, when we have been saved, that flesh is still on the cross and our spirit, we were made alive with Jesus. So the reason that no eye has seen or no ear has heard or heart conceived what God has for us is because in our flesh, our eyes, our ears, our heart, they are dead. And there is nothing in flesh that is dead that can take us from a place of death into a place of life where God's blessings and nature are revealed. In Romans chapter 8, Starting in verse 5, it says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Listen to this part. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is... This is truth that we must acknowledge, that if we are in the flesh, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It means that we are in conflict with him. It means that we can't be in connection with him, and it can't please him because we aren't surrendering to him. We are surrendering to the flesh. We're living by those, those sinful nature instead of the spirit that is inside of us that God has given us. Rather, because of that, or, or because of that, we won't be able to understand the revelation that God has made to us. It continues on in Romans 8 and says this, "'You, however, are not in the flesh, "'but you're in the Spirit, "'if, in fact, God's Spirit dwells in you. "'Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ "'does not belong to him. "'But if Christ is in you, "'although the body is dead because of sin, "'the Spirit is life because of righteousness.'" If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So here is the question, the the, the most important question. If Christ is in you, is he in you? Is Christ in you? If so, then the body that is dead because of sin, your spirit has been made alive because of Christ. By the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit raised us from that place of death where our flesh was and into the place of life where the spirit is, where we can see and understand and grasp the revelation of God. And beyond that, that same spirit not just makes us alive or makes us alive, alive in Christ, rather that same spirit lives in us so that we can grasp and understand what God has for us. Are you starting to see why Romans is my favorite book, why Romans 8 is my favorite chapter in the Bible? I hope that this has helped you understand that. And honestly, as I was just preparing for this message, the, the truth just, I mean, just came pouring out of the pages of my Bible as I studied this. And I hope that you can see what God has for us. You see, we will never be able to, to understand, to see God's blessing, his provision, his direction, his, his protection, his will. If we are walking in the flesh, we must walk in the Spirit to understand those things. And what is the consequence of walking in the flesh? The Bible says that God reveals many things, that he reveals those blessings in, that happens through the Spirit. And as I was thinking about this, I started to wonder, what are we missing out what are we missing because we walk in the flesh? What are the things that God is trying to reveal to you right now that you can't see, you can't understand, you can't take a hold of because you've chosen to walk in the flesh instead of his spirit? And I think one of the greatest revelations that we miss out on is the revelation of God himself. In 2 Peter chapter 1, I want to read to you uh, uh, just this passage. And it is uh, very clear about how we see God's revelation. Starting in verse 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has arranged to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire. So we need to take a moment and just reflect on this amazing promise. It says that God's divine power has granted us life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us. It was to his glory and because his glory and his excellence that he has given us these promises, not just so that we can you know, receive them and not just so that we can have you know, that material element of his promise being fulfilled, but it's so that we can be not just even aware of his nature, but we can partake in his nature, so that we can be transformed by that nature, and then that nature replaces ours, it, it, that we become more like him through the knowledge that he gives. but again, that knowledge only happens through the spirit. It says this passage is telling us that the revelation of God that he provides is not just for our awareness of his nature and glory and excellence, but the transformation into those things in the participation in his promises. But again, what is the condition? He promises those things. He says, you know, these transformational revelations of God himself, they will happen because we have escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. It's because we're not walking by the flesh, but we are walking by the spirit that God reveals these things and then transforms us by them. We can compare this passage to Romans chapter 1 or Psalm 19, where it says, you can walk outside, And you can see the glory of God. It says that God's nature, his his power, it is revealed in all of creation. You can see it and and understand that there is a God. But Romans chapter 1 says, and actually it tells us that when people see that creation, they don't accept that revelation because they choose to walk in unrighteousness. It says that they exchange the truth about God for a lie and they worship and serve the creature instead of the creator. You see, it's this unrighteousness, our sin nature, that clouds our vision. It clouds our ability to embrace God's revelation. And what we understand through Scripture is that it's, it's that it's Jesus who brings that revelation of God into full view and understanding. In John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, No eye has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now, I think this makes perfect sense. Of course, no one has seen God face to face or been in perfect unity with him except Jesus. He is the only one to have ever been there, only one to have been in God's presence physically for all of eternity. And because of that close relationship, that connection that they have, Jesus made God known by coming down to earth. Colossians chapter 1 helps reveal how Christ made God the Father, known, it says that He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn among all creation. And it says that all things are held together in Him and He holds things in His hand. Now, it's so important that we realize this because it's not just through Christ coming to the earth that God was made known, but it was through His death and resurrection by God's Spirit that God's nature and power was illustrated on the earth. Again, in Colossians 1, it goes on, it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about Christ, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, to me, I find this to be an interesting echo of what we saw in First Corinthians, that the Spirit searches the depths of of God and it is in Christ that those depths are revealed because of his death and subsequent re- resurrection that secured our our reconciliation with God and i think this is so important to understand that he is the image the embodiment of God's nature and power we see this again in hebrews chapter 1 it says in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of of the of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Listen, if you're following along in you version or on your own uh, on your Bible or in your physical Bible, you need to underline that that Christ is the exact representation of God. He sustains all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I love the book of Hebrews and there, there's so much beautiful imagery about the role that Christ had and what he does for us. And the writer here, he helps us to see that, you know, God spoke to us through the prophets. When we look through the Old Testament and we see the prophets and the law and, and, and all of the other items, you know, the history books that we see there, God spoke through them in the Old Testament. But now, the writer of Hebrews says, now God speaks to us through Jesus. He is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. So of course we need to look to Christ for that direction. But I think this is an illustration of why salvation is so hard for many. It's because we have to move or, you know, we have to move from that that place of the flesh. We have to move from the, the realm of the flesh and into the realm of the spirit. You know, people can look around at creation and see that God is real, but it's not until they put their faith in him, acknowledging their sin and what Christ did for that sin, when God's, when God's nature will become you know, relevant to them, where it will mean something to them and they will be impacted by it. Otherwise, I mean, if that faith wasn't required, people just seeing Jesus, the exact representation of God on earth, people would have believed. But because he came... It's in his sacrifice where faith is initiated and we can be brought into that place where God's revelation is made known. This is also why I think uh, God will leverage difficult circumstances and pain to bring people to that point of breaking where they realize that they can't do it on their own, where they realize that their flesh has been broken down, it is proven unreliable, it's deceptive, it's weak, and they have to give in to the Spirit and they must have faith in God. But the beauty of God's promise is that once we have faith and are saved, it's through His power and His spirit, that that transformation into His nature, it causes that faith to grow and produce eternal fruit. That faith grows and begins. We begin to like look more like the Lord. We are transformed into His nature. Back in Second Peter chapter one, uh, starting in verse five this time. I think we need to understand the expectation when we look at this passage. The expectation is that our faith, it grows into goodness, and the goodness grows into knowledge, and knowledge into self-control, control, and, and so on and so on, until it produces love. Now, when you look at that word for love, it, it comes from the root word for agape. It is the very God kind of love. And so what this process demonstrates is that it's the fulfillment of the promise earlier noted by Peter. It's that when we come into this place of faith, we become, you know, partakers in, we become participants in, in, in God's nature and are transformed into that divine nature. From that place where faith grows, love can be a fruit of that faith. And it's that transformation that keeps us from being unproductive and ineffective in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I have to tell you, the first time that I read that passage, um, you know, I'm sure I've read it many, many times, but the first time that that passage really hit me between the eyes was about eight years ago. And it's it's honestly a passage that I find scary. And it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not because I think God wants us to live in fear or, or to live afraid. That's not what I'm saying. This passage to me is one that holds me accountable. It sharpens me. Let me explain what I mean. We all know people that have head knowledge. Like, they have all the head knowledge in the world. They, they're smart. They, they just, things come naturally to them. But they refuse to put that knowledge to use. They are intentionally wasting the knowledge and potential that they have. You can probably picture them. You're, you're probably like ready to name the people that you know like this right now. What is your feeling towards those people? It's probably not positive. Listen, I don't want God to have that kind of attitude toward me. I don't want him to have that opinion of me. That he might look down from heaven and say, John has wasted the knowledge and revelation that I have given him through my son of my nature. Oh, that is a sharpening thing to think about. And Peter, he absolutely, absolutely meant it that way. That It's God's expectation that I am transformed by his nature and that I put that, that knowledge to good use. And it says that, as it goes on, talking about us being nearsighted and blind, that we would forget uh, that we've been cleansed from our past sins. You know, a couple weeks ago, when we talked about God remembering us, and we took communion, we, we talked about the importance of remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Man, I hope that we can never forget what he has done. It's with, without the qualities that we talked about, without the transformation that comes through God's revelation in his spirit, what Peter is saying is that we, it's, it's that we have forgotten. It's, we're living as though we have forgotten what Jesus has done for us. So what did Peter tell us? He says that we must make every effort to confirm our calling and election. Not that we are trying to prove it through our own strength. Rather, we must allow God's Spirit, who revealed his nature to us, to also transform us and produce the fruit that God is looking for in our lives. That promised reward uh, that, that, it, that is there is a life that is led by the Spirit will lead to joy that is indescribable and a reward that we will never be able to, to fully grasp until we are there Peter says that we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The, the imagery is just amazing. I love that we're going to receive a rich welcome. Can you imagine what that is going to be like? Because of the sacrifice that Jesus made and, and through the Spirit uh, that secured his and our resurrection Christ will welcome us into his eternal kingdom with open arms of love. That that love will surround us. The same love that was poured out on the cross will just be boldly and and unashamedly and wholly embrace us as we walk in to his kingdom. This is the hope that we have in Christ. This is the true and eternal hope of glory. We get a picture of what that means in Ephesians chapter 1. It says this I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. This helps bring the point around full circle. Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus, for the church on King's Avenue, for the church of today, is that our eyes are enlightened, that they are open to know the hope that, that he has for us, the, the hope that he has called us to. But that enlightenment doesn't come through our flesh. It comes through the power of God's spirit, his incomparably great power, which that same power, is what he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and set him as a, at his right hand. This is what we have to understand. We must realize that it is only through the power of the Spirit that we are brought from that place of death and into life. And this is why we go back to Romans chapter 8 and we remember that it's the same Spirit that God raised Jesus from the dead. That same Spirit is in us and helps us to understand and grasp and be transformed by the revelations that God has for us. You see, when, when we think about all of this, that spirit by which God raised Jesus from the dead, it raises us from that place of death, that place that we were subject to death because of our flesh, because of that sin nature. It brings us to the place where Christ is so that we can see, we can grasp, we can understand, we can be transformed by the full revelation of God's nature and his character. And that transformation leads us to that place of our eternal hope that is found in Christ I hope that as we've spoken today, you've been impacted by the truth of God's word, that you realize, you know, that maybe you are walking in the flesh. Maybe you've never surrendered to the power of the Spirit. God is real. And maybe you've never really been able to understand or grasp His power or His love because you haven't taken that step out of the flesh and into the Spirit. Maybe you haven't taken that first step of faith. I invite you to pray with me in a moment and just allow God to change your heart. Allow him to change your nature. Step out of the place of the flesh. Realize that your flesh is dead and it's only through the Spirit that you are made alive. And for those of you that maybe have received that gift of salvation, the prayer for us is that we are able to always walk in the Spirit. Maybe you find yourself walking in the flesh and you need to surrender that to the Lord. I invite you to pray with me now. Dear Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that it is in Jesus that your very nature, your very being is represented. God, forgive me for not seeing that. Forgive me for not understanding. Lord, I realize that when I walk in the flesh, I'm not going to be able to grasp your revelation. I'm not going to be able to grasp your understanding. Father, I, I, I take this moment, I choose right now to surrender, to step out of that place of the flesh, to quit trying to pursue the things that only make me feel good, pr- to quit trying to uh, pursue the things that are all about me, Lord, and I choose to pursue the things that are all about you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, God. Help me to walk by your Spirit. Transform me from this place of death. Take me out of that and bring me to a place of life and transform me by the nature that is revealed by your Spirit. God, make me new. Make me whole. I surrender to you right now, Lord, and I look forward to what you're going to do in my life. In Jesus' name. For those that just have received that gift but need to just surrender their flesh and just make that commitment new, Join with me in prayer. Lord, I know what your word says. I know what it means to be one of your children, yet I still choose to walk in the flesh so often. Forgive me for that, God. I surrender to you. I choose right now, Lord, again, to to, to abandon that old way of life, to abandon my flesh and walk in your spirit. Lord, help me to see the times when I walk away. Help me to see the times when I'm not listening to you but I'm giving sin a vote where I'm listening to my flesh and what it would want me to do instead of where your spirit is leading. God, give me the boldness to always obey you. Give me the boldness to turn my back on my flesh and to focus and serve and surrender to you with every ounce that I am, with every breath that I have. Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for the work that you're gonna do in me, Lord, but also the work that you'll do through me. Use me, God, according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. It's my prayer that God continues to speak to you through his spirit, that he reveals his nature to you and that you walk not in the flesh, but in his spirit so that you can be transformed by that nature. Happy Mother's Day again to all of our moms. We love you and we're so grateful for you. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's my prayer that God spoke to you through his word and that your life has been changed for all of eternity. Here at Kings Avenue Baptist Church, we are united in Christ and transformed by His love to bring our community into the family of God. We know that it is only through Christ's sacrifice on the cross that we are brought together as one body. And that same sacrifice transforms us into His image so that we can go out on mission, in hope, to bring our community into God's family. If you don't have a home church, we absolutely invite you to come and join us on the mission that we have, that God has given us to make a difference in our community for his kingdom. It's our prayer that God continues to speak to you and continues to use you and change you by his word. God bless.